Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Colossians, and we're going to be in chapter 1, starting in verse 15. You can follow along with me in your Bibles. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross." And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. All right. Hey, guys. Uh, We are in our Discover and Rise series, and today is different because we are moving forward in our DNA. So our DNA is Kingdom Disciples or Kingdom Disciples Society Church, Kingdom Disciples Engaging Society, and out of that arises a church. And today we're transitioning into the S portion of it. We're going to talk about society. And, guys, this is one of... uh, This is one of the things that most people miss, most followers of Jesus miss, in uh, in not just our DNA, but just in following Jesus. They miss the society piece of this. And if you look at a lot of churches, uh, we miss this too. And, 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 And so one of the things that has attracted a lot of people to Trinity Life is we're doing the society piece. Uh, We're trying to do it well. And and, uh, and, and guys, this piece is so important because if we're, if we're talking about kingdom disciples engaging society and how that arises the church, if you're missing the S piece, do we really have kingdom disciples? What are your kingdom disciples actually doing? Like if you say a kingdom disciple is supposed to hear and obey, in what arena is the kingdom disciple obeying in? Right? That's why the S is so important. Because if you lop off the S, well, the kingdom of disciples is just obeying in the church framework. Right? And we're not obeying out there in the world. So, so you have here, if you have this missing piece, you have a huge yap. Also, if, if, you're, if, uh, if you say, well, kingdom of disciples is supposed to um, love your enemies. Well, how do you love your enemies if you're not engaging society? So we're going to talk about what that means today and how we do that as followers of Jesus. But also, if you're missing the S, 
and the church arises out of kingdom disciples engaging society, and, and we're not actually doing that, do we really have the church as it was meant to be? So that's why it's so important to not just have kingdom disciples in a church, but kingdom disciples engaging society, and the church arises out of that. Because guess what, guys? The church is all over society. It should be. We are everywhere in society. So that's why it's so key for us today. So we're just going to jump into this passage in Colossians 1. And Colossians 1 is one of the four Christological passages in the New Testament. So we're not going to dive really deep into it. We could spend weeks and weeks, uh, years and years in this one passage because it tells us so much about who Jesus is. We're just going to focus on some certain things in this passage and then go to a couple other scripture passages today as we talk about society. So let's just, I'm going to read these these verses and we're going to walk through them quickly. Uh, It says in chapter 1 of Colossians verse 15, he is the image, talking about Jesus Christ, Jesus, the Son of God, is the image of the invisible God. So he has shown us what God looks like. Not just in his, we're not talking about physical appearance, we're talking about his actions, his attitude, his, the way he thinks, the way he walks, the way he, he heals, the way he, he, he lived on this earth. Jesus showed us who God really is. He, pers- he, he personified him. He, he, he was incarnated, Right? And so he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him. And now watch, you're going to see a phrase repeated, two words repeated five times in this passage. These words are all things, all things, Not, not some things, all things. So for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things are created through him and for him. I love that, that verse. We won't dive deeply into it. But those are those, those words that Paul, Paul uses here. He also uses in Ephesians chapter 6, right? And, and, he, and he's saying, no, Jesus has authority even over, over the darkness, right? He, is, he has authority over all things. Oh, it's so good. And all things are created through him and for him. And, verse 17, he's before all things, And in him, all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness, not just some of the fullness, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile to himself, and this is key here, to reconcile to himself, to bring back to himself, because something was lost, right? When sin entered the world, a lot of things were lost. There was division. There was, there was um, a, a, a huge gap, a huge chasm between us and God that, uh, that Jesus comes to make peace, according to Ephesians and according to here. He, he's to reconcile all things to himself, to bring them back to himself, everything, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And so through Christ's sacrifice, through him giving his life, through him laying his life down, through him, him reordering uh, who is according to the Father's will, right? He, he says, I only do what the Father tells me to do, right? He shows us 
what a life lived fully in the spirit is, who, who has submitted himself to the Father. And he says, and he lays down his life in order to reconcile everything to himself. Now, guys, that is a picture of us engaging society. That's our mission. When you, when you hear people say, we're, uh, we, we're living on mission, that's, that's what it is. If they're not doing this, then they're not living on mission. And if we're going to say we're going to live on mission for God, if we say we're, we're, we're going to follow Jesus, well, it has to include this. It has to include us being a part of reconciling all things to God through Christ Jesus. And that's through the gospel, right? It's, it's through making peace. It's through being peacemakers. It's, it's, uh, it's Jesus saying in Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. Like that is, that is our mission. That is our task. That's what we're supposed to be doing in this world. But it's one of, that's society, but it's the peace that we miss the most as followers of Jesus. How do we engage society? So, so we have things like, uh, we have a lot of churches doing a faith work thing. Let's, let's, let's talk about faith and work. Well, that's, that's not bad, but you're still missing the mark because faith and work actually are not two different things. We've created a false dichotomy in trying to connect, and trying to connect them. And, and, and so we're saying, okay, well, how do I pair my work with my faith? No, your faith is lived out through your work. And so it should not be dichotomized. And if we understand kingdom disciples engaging society, then we will understand that. And, and, uh, and so all things here is repeated five times in order for us to look at all things as potentially reconciling them to God through Christ Jesus and his gospel, his peace, his blood through the cross. We bring life in a different sphere. So let's, let's take a look at... Because here's the question that you might be asking. You're like, okay, well, what, what is society? What, what, is, what, what is that exactly? We're, what are we talking about here? When we're talking about engaging society, when we're talking about living, are we just talking about our jobs? Are we talking about our families? What is society? And, and so let's, let's take a look at Genesis 4, because we're going to start off by talking about domains. So take a look at Genesis 4 here. This is Genesis 4, 17 through 22, because uh, domains are key for society. Domains are basically the grid of society. It's what we operate in. It's, it's, how, we, it's how we operate. And in, in a second, we're going to show you a domain map on the screen. But let's talk about Genesis 4 real quick. And this is Genesis 4, 17 through 22. This is just after uh, the Garden of Eden, sin, the fall, and Adam and Eve are now out of the Garden of Eden. Uh, Cain has killed Abel. And, and now Cain has, is east of Eden. He, it says in verse 17, he knew his wife, she conceived, and she bore Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after his son Enoch. And then Enoch uh, had, had this guy, this guy, had this guy. It, it goes uh, all the way through. And then Lamech, in verse 19, took two wives. And, and then one of them bore Jabal. And Jabal is this guy. He's the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was, was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal Cain, and he was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. So there you have domains starting to be created. So check out this domain map. This is what we use here at Trinity Life. 
to talk about how we engage society. And here in this passage, there's three domains. There's agriculture, you see that on the map. There is the liar in the pipe, which would be kind of arts, uh, you know, under that, which would be under communication. So you have that. And there is Zillow, who bore Tubal Cain, who's the forge of all instruments of bronze and iron. And that is like, like economics and business and production, right? So you there have, you have domains even at the beginning of the scriptures forming how society operates. And so on this domain map, we have eight domains. You know, like I already mentioned economics and ag. Then there's social work, which is, which is you know, social justice stuff, counseling. You see the subdomains there, and you see the crosses on each to say the gospel is, is in all of these domains, that Christians are in all of these domains, communication, uh, science, tech, education, governance, uh, yeah, state, provincial, uh, national, city, um, municipal. Uh, then you have health and has, has all those things. So there's eight domains there represented. And what you'll notice is the church is not a separate domain. There's not a separate religious domain. And why is that? Why wouldn't there be a separate religious domain? That's because we're supposed to be in all of the domains. The church is not supposed to be segregated in its bubble. But when you do kingdom disciples and then church, arises the church, well, you've created a church domain. You've created a religious domain. But for me, for instance, even though, uh, even though I work for a church, I don't view myself in a church domain. I'm an entrepreneur, so I put myself in the economics domain. It's why when we go to the Holy Land, I see through an entrepreneurial lens, and we've started entrepreneurial work there. It's, it's why I network with entrepreneurs there and here. It's why I meet small business owners. It's, it's why I'm always trying to think of new ideas and, and start things. Um, it's why we're who we are as a church. Uh, it's why we always keep on pushing. I see through that lens, but I'm also in the social work domain. So don't isolate yourself just to one domain, guys. You could operate in both because this isn't just about your job. It's also about your skills and your passions. It's also uh, has to do with what gifts you have. So it could be gift-based. So I also operate in the social work domain. Why? Because we started the new common and we network with the city and we work with different organizations and we do that to better society through this organization called the New Common. And today, we're talking about the New Common as a whole because that's what society is. We're trying, that's what the kingdom is. When we usher in the kingdom through society, we're trying to establish a new common. And so this, this, this space that, that uh, we have in our city has a prophetic name. Uh, because when Seth and I were thinking about it and, and we came up with this name, we thought that's what we really want to establish in our city and around the world. We want to establish a new common for us, a new common good for, to rally people around, to show them the love and the light of Jesus Christ and to show them that we are here to build up society. For in, if, we, if we seek the welfare of our city, it's in, in its welfare we'll find our welfare. If, if we, like the Proverbs say, if, if we just live righteously, our city will take notice and they'll, they'll cheer on when we prosper. Like these are, these are societal engagement passages all throughout the scriptures. And so 
I operate in the social work domain because of that. I operate in, in the communications domain because we do a lot of that here through the church, whether it's on social media or through videos or, or right now uh, in the communications. Um, education, right? I'm, I'm teaching. I teach a lot here outside of, outside of our church at conferences, at schools, things like that. There's, there's teaching that I do. Um, governance. I interact with our MPs and our MPPs and uh, our city council and, and, and those things because of the work that we do. So I operate in that sphere. So, uh, and then, uh, I mean, even agriculture, right? Because the, the new common, one of, our, one of our focal points is food insecurity and addressing those issues. So we're even operating in the agriculture domain here. Guys, so don't isolate yourself to one domain. Think, oh, what, where, what are my spheres of influence? What are my gifts, my jobs, my passions? And, and you, you'll see yourself operating in so many different domains, which means that God has given you influence there to begin reconciling all things to himself through Christ Jesus by making peace through Christ's blood that he shed on the cross. Where you are in your job, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your passions, in your skills, is where you're supposed to influence. So you see here the key to domains, which guys, society, this is one of the keys to the kingdom that Jesus has given us. To, to unlock the kingdom potential. Un, to, when, when, when Jesus sends us out in the Great Commission, when he sends us out uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1, we're to go out into the world to change the world for the better. Guys, we're supposed to be the best at that as followers of Jesus, but oftentimes we're the worst at that. Our, our job isn't to draw you in to do to do all this church stuff. Our job is to empower you in your domains. Our job is to empower you to be missionaries where you are, to be evangelists where you are, to share the love of Christ, to, to share the light of Christ, to be light in the darkness. That's how you actually become salt and light. That's how you actually be a kingdom disciple. And, and it's through these domains, it's, it's through your identity in Christ, it's through your individuality, it's through your personality, it's through your, your values, your family background, your tribe, your culture, your city, your nation, your world, through your livelihood where you influence in society. And not only that, well, actually before I move forward on this, just think about this question. So then what is our responsibility? As followers of Jesus in society, what is actually our responsibility to engage? How do we do that? What are we supposed to be doing in those spheres? Well, we've talked about the gospel. We've talked about making peace. But the scriptures are really clear on, on what this does uh, or what this looks like. And this is an overarching theme through the entire scriptures. We're just going to take one scripture here, but you can trace this through the entire scriptures. Let's go to, and even through Jesus' ministry. Let's go to Psalm 82 as, as a verse that, that will just enlighten this for us. Psalm 82, verse 4 says this. It says, give justice to or defend the cause of the weak or the poor and the fatherless or the orphan. So give justice to, uphold the cause of the poor and the orphan. Maintain the right or uphold the cause of the afflicted or the oppressed. 
and the destitute or the poor. So we are to, to uphold the cause of those who are oppressed. We're to uphold the cause of those who are destitute and poor and in need. We're to give justice and defend the cause of those who can't do it themselves, of the weak, of the poor, and the fatherless and the orphan. Because that is all through the scriptures. That's how we engage society. So for us as followers of Jesus, we don't have an option to ignore the, to ignore the poor. That's who, we're, that's who we're supposed to be uh, um, ministering to and engaging with. That's, like, we don't have the option to live in our, our you know, fancy suburb and not, not engage the poor. We are to actually work alongside of and uphold their cause because they, they, they can't... They don't have what we have. That's, that's what the implication of this verse is, that we're to, to take what we have, what God has stewarded to us, and we're to use it for the sake of the destitute and the poor and the afflicted in our city and around the world. And so many of us miss that. We miss that. We say, oh, well, that's the Salvation Army's job. Oh, well, that's the soup kitchen's job. That's the homeless shelter's job. No, that's our job as followers of Jesus. That's Matthew 25 when, when we say, well, Jesus, when did we feed you when you were hungry? When did we give you drink when you were thirsty? When did we visit you when you were in prison? When did we come to your aid when you were sick? Jesus says, you, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. We're supposed to be a people who's defined by that. We're not supposed to be a people who's defined by our worship services and our smoke machines and our lights. We're supposed to be people who's defined by being light in our city, by spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ Jesus as an aroma that's pleasing to God everywhere. Guys, that's who we're supposed to be. And so that's why for us as a church, we didn't plant our church in Bloor West, which Bloor West is fine, they need churches. We didn't plant it in Rosedale, Rosedale's finally in church. We planted in Regent Park. And it's why when Regent Park changed and became more and more gentrified, we moved to St. Jamestown. Because of these verses. Because we're supposed to engage society. And we do that here and around the world. And we do it through domains and through domain engagement. But this is also because there's an old paradigm of missions and engagement that... Uh, domain engagement kind of replaces. Your old paradigm of missions engagement says locally, it would say, it would say this, it'd say, um, well, let's all get everyone, let's get everyone together and all go to the soup kitchen. And let's, let's serve the poor like that. And guys, that's not a bad thing. But just let me ask you this. Does it, does it empower somebody in their gifts, in their passions, in their skills? Or does it make you feel guilty because you, you feel like, Oh, I'm not very, like, this just isn't, this isn't my passion, so, but I feel like I have to go because the church is, is doing this. That's how I felt when the church went. And, and I still did it because, guys, I'm going to do whatever it takes to serve the king. Uh, but at the same, and I'll, and I'll serve soup all day. Um, but I'd rather be talking to somebody eating soup with them. Right? And some of you guys would rather be serving soup. So let's empower those who, who want to serve soup behind, behind the counter. Let's empower those who want to engage with people and eat soup on the other side of the counter. 
right? Let's, let's look at our jobs, our skills, our passions, our gifts, and empower each other in those. That's the key to the kingdom. That's the key. We need to empower everybody in these domains. So uh, there's an old paradigm which says we're all going to do this one thing, and we, we haven't just done this locally. We've done this globally as well. We're like, all right, we're all going to go to Honduras and, and build some center block houses. Guys, that's not a bad thing. We can do that. But we've re- severely reduced our lens when that's all we do. If we have a domain engagement lens, now center block, building center block houses can come underneath that domain engagement lens as, as we engage society. But when we have the broader lens, it really empowers everybody in their gifts, right? So we're, we're gonna talk about this a little bit in, in, in a little bit, but let me tell you about a few more things that, that this domain engagement how it informs how we engage society. So we also, um, this is also an asset-based community development model over a deficit-based community development model. See, for a long time, us as Christians, as the church, as followers of Jesus, we've had some hubris in how we engage society and, and who we are. And so what we do is we go into communities, we go into cities or countries or wherever, and we say, uh, we, we say, this community is missing things. Let's identify what they're missing, and then we can fill in the gaps. And guys, that sounds great, but it's, it's a savior mentality rather than a servant mentality. And we're called not to be saviors. We're called to be servants of the community. But when we go into a community and we mine the assets and we say, wow, this community actually has this and this and this, how do we empower them to empower their community, that changes everything. We're, now, the problem is we are in a culture of immediate gratification and short-term, uh, <laughs> very short-term engagement. So we want to see immediate gratification. We want to see results now. Right? We have to see it now. And, and asset-based community development is long-term engagement. It's, it's kingdom. It's, it's seeing for the future. It's systemic. Right? And we hear everyone talking now about we want systemic change in uh, oppression, we want systemic change in racism, we want systemic change in this, but, but everyone's still going for short-term solutions. They're just Band-Aid solutions. They're deficit-based solutions. And it looks like we did something, but we didn't actually change anything systemically. And if you, if you want Band-Aid solutions, that's fine. We can, we can get stuff done, but it's not going to change anything long term. And we've seen that over the past hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of years. Systemic change requires empowering people and, and, and them being the change in their communities. That's the key. That's what's so special about asset-based community development. And so that's what we do here in St. Jamestown. That's what we do in Toronto. That's also what we do in the Holy Land in Bethlehem. And guys... It has, we're changing society by not even, I don't know. I, there's so many stories here. I can tell you so many stories about what we're doing here and there. Um, we're actually influencing our city and the world. And we haven't even done that much, right? Uh, but, it, yeah, I can't go into all the stories. But, but we're asset-based, not deficit-based. We're serving. We're not coming in to say, hey, we can save you. We, we can say, we can serve you. Then it's, it's, it's prioritizing partnership over proprietorship. 
right? It's saying we're here to collaborate, we're here to partner, we're not here to own anything and take all the credit. Right? We're here to partner, we're here to serve, we're here to collaborate, and we're here to push you forward in what you're already doing. And we're here to help you cre creatively ideate, we're here to give you resources, we're here to help you and push you forward. And guys, that creates avenues for the gospel, that creates avenues for us engaging society, that creates avenues to be peacemakers through the blood of Christ's cross. That creates avenues for us to share the love and the light of Christ. And guys, uh, this... This should probably go without saying, because we just talked about Psalm 82, but clearly this is in an anti-oppression framework, right? It's saying, when we looked at the world and we said, where are people being oppressed? That's where we went. When we looked at our city and we said, where are people being oppressed? That's where we went. That's why we didn't go to a Rosedale or, or a Blue West. That's why we didn't go in our global engagement to, um, I don't know, Hawaii. Although Hawaii would be pretty nice right now but we didn't we didn't set up in hawaii right we said no we're we're gonna go to a place where there's a lot of oppression and so this framework gives us an anti uh, an anti-oppression lens and an anti-racism lens to to view our to view our city now is it perfect no um but it's a starting point and it's a and it's a good one and so what the the point of this is verses 21 to 23 in Colossians 1, it says this, and you, so and you, so this is your part, you're supposed to do something here, but you were once alienated, and you were once hostile in mind, and you were once doing evil deeds, but that's who you used to be. Now you're a follower of Jesus, and he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above, and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which, he, which has, been, has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So guys, for us, like I said, we're a part of reconciling all things through Christ to God, through the blood of Christ, to be peacemakers. And here in St. Jamestown, we do that through the new common. We do, that, do this, we do that through the space. We do that through all the initiatives through the new common. And, and this actually happens around the world too. The new common has given us a platform around the world to do this. Essentially, the New Common is its own organization. Now, it's still an arm of, of Trinity Life, uh, but, but it's organized as, as itself to, to engage society and to empower the church, to empower the community. It has both of those things in mind. And remember, guys, the church isn't its own domain. The church is in all of the domains. So we weren't meant to keep this all in the church, and call people to us, right? That's not engaging society when we, when we keep this all in the church and call people to us. Jesus has called us to go out into society. And that's how we live on mission. That's how we are kingdom disciples who engage society. And guys, this doesn't have to be formal either. This can be informal, right? It's, it's you with your neighbor, right? It's, it's, it's you in the local coffee shop talking to the owner, 
that's how I network with entrepreneurs. I don't go to this formal entrepreneurial conference. I go into uh, the coffee shop, and the local coffee shop, and I meet the owner, um, and, and we talk. I go into the local uh, woodworking shop in Bethlehem, and we talk, and we talk about entrepreneurship, and we talk about who we are. I go into the uh, local restaurants on, on the street where I live, or the salon, or you know, name, your, name your thing, and I talk, and I meet the owners, and I build a relationship, and I engage society in that way. And we were able to connect, not just in our domain, but on a relationship level eventually. And then we're, we're able to connect eventually on who we are and, and what I do. Um, and, and my faith, and we're, able to, and we're able to share the love and light of Jesus Christ. And guys, that's who you're supposed to be. Those are your areas of influence. And it can f- informally happen anywhere. You know, we created the New Common to help you do that, but the New Common isn't your only avenue to do that. The New Common is just to empower you to do that where God has placed you whether you work at TD, whether you work at the hospital, whether you work at the school, whether you work at Starbucks, whether you're, at, you're a student at U of T or Ryerson, whether you're living at home with your parents, whether you're in your condo building or in your neighborhood, wherever you are, grocery shopping, drinking a cup of coffee at a restaurant, anywhere you can do this and engage society. You're supposed to be a minister of reconciliation. And so check out, check out this passage. This is 2 Corinthians 5, starting verse 16. This is basically Colossians 1, that one verse on us reconciling all things uh, to God in Christ. It's expanded here. Paul says this starting in verse 16. He says, For from now on, therefore... We regard no one according to the flesh. Guys, that's such a powerful statement. If we're not regarding them to the flesh, what are we regarding them? How are we regarding them? We're regarding them in the spirit. We're seeing them with spiritual eyes. And and just think about that with conflict. Um, Sometimes we have conflict with our coworkers, with our neighbors, whatever it is. Guys, Look behind the person, right? There's spiritual forces. If we could see with spiritualized, there's spiritual forces at work in us and through us and in them and through them. So are you a conduit for the spiritual forces of, of good, of God, or the spiritual forces of evil, right? And then think about that person. If they don't have, if they're not a follower of Jesus, well, they don't have the spirit of God in them. So cut them some slack, is, 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 is what this is saying. Don't regard them according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are new. God has breathed new life into you. He's breathed the spirit into you just like he did in Genesis. He's, he's done that with you with the Holy Spirit now. God, uh, Jesus breathes the, the, the spirit on his disciples at the end of, of the Gospel of John. He's given us a picture of what he does for us. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? Well, it means this. The old has passed away. Has it? Has it actually passed away for you? Has the old passed away? He says that's your reality. 
Stop holding on to those old things. If you're going to be a kingdom disciple, truly engaging society, being salt and light, loving your enemies, doing the kingdom things in society, the old has to pass away. And behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us. He brought us back to him and gave us that same ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself. And as he was doing this, he was not counting our trespasses against us. And he entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Oh, guys, he entrusted to us the message of reconciliation, not the message of condemnation. See, oftentimes when, when we as kingdom disciples engage society, I shouldn't say as kingdom disciples, as, as pseudo-disciples, we condemn. We have a message and ministry of condemnation, not reconciliation. But a kingdom disciple has a ministry of reconciliation. But instead, a lot of times people say, oh, don't do that. You're sinners. You're going to hell. We're burning that bridge. We don't want anything to do with you. And now we are in our domain bubble, and it's just us condemning each other. Because who else is there left to condemn? We, can't, we burn all the bridges with everyone else out there. So now what do we do? We fight with each other. And we condemn that denomination and that denomination and, and those people. And then in our church, we condemn each other. We, we condemn you because you said something that offended me, but I'm not going to tell you to your face because um, I'm, I'm too passive-aggressive. So I'm just going to like talk to other people about you behind your back. And then it's just this vicious cycle of condemnation. Get out of that. You weren't created for that. If indeed you are a new creation, behold, the new has come. You no longer have a ministry of condemnation like the world has. You have a ministry of reconciliation. That's what we should be known for. And that's what we are known for as our church. When we look in our city, guys, our MPs know what we're doing. Our MPP knows what we're doing. They know who we are, and they see us as reconciling things. Now, do they know all that stuff about Jesus and Christ and our theology? No, not yet. But hopefully they will one day. Right? The ministry of reconciliation gives us that platform. So here, he has entrusted that to us. Do not break that trust with God. That is very hard to rebuild. He's entrusted you with the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, because of all that, what are we? Ambassadors for Christ. We represent him in a foreign land, right? That's what an ambassador is. We are exiles, right? Our citizenship is in heaven. We're exiles in this land. We represent him in this foreign land that is not our own. These are not our people. These, this is, this is not, not where we belong. We represent Christ Jesus. And that's such... If you started every day with saying, I'm, I'm an ambassador for Christ representing you, that would change the way you view every moment of your day. And God does this. He makes his appeal through us. Ah, couldn't God have chosen someone better than us? I feel like that most days. But he still makes his appeal through us. 
he's given us this treasure in jars of clay. And we're to steward this for his kingdom's sake. For our sake, why does he keep on doing things for us? I don't know. <laughs> when we fail him all the time. But verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We have become his righteousness. That's the proverb I, I quoted earlier. If we just lived as people of righteousness, people would cheer on our, our prosperity because when we prosper, they prosper. Oh, it's so good. He says, so we work together. We are in, in 6 verse 1, we're working together with him then, and we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. How many of you ha have received the grace of God in vain? How many of you are doing, are, are doing nothing with the grace of God? How many of you, when, when, someone, when someone messes up and makes a mistake, uh, you don't show them grace, you show them condemnation? You've received the grace of God. Do not receive that in vain. Multiply it. Give it out. Give it to your neighbors, your coworkers, your family. Engage society. Jesus came into our world, and all he did was live as a kingdom disciple, engaging society. Do you guys realize Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand in Matthew 4. You don't know anything about the church until Matthew chapter 16 when he mentions the church. And when he mentions that, you're like, what is that? Like, what, what is that? We, we're, we're reading with our church framework, our church eyes. But if you're just reading the Bible, you're like, I've never heard of this thing called church before. What is that? And, and of course, we, we translate it as, as church, but that's not, uh, really it means the assembly, the, the people of God is what he's talking about, right? And, and we put our church framework on it. We've lost the understanding of, of what, that, what, what that's really supposed to be. Um, and we've just isolated ourselves in a church building or a church group. And whereas we're supposed to be out as a people of God. Um, now, the assembly matters, right? Jesus is talking about the assembly there. There's power in the assembly of the people of God. That matters. But we weren't supposed to be stuck there, right? And we become stuck there. And he says, we work together not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in the day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Guys, don't think, uh, oh, well, I'll wait until I graduate university. Or I'll wait till I graduate high school. Or I'll wait till I have that job. I'll wait till I have my family financially secure. I'll wait till um, we have one kid. Or I'll wait till um, I'm not in school and have my job and have a baby. I'll wait till, well, you're going to wait till you die, basically. He says, behold, now is a favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. He says in, in Romans chapter 13, salvation is nearer to us today than when we first believed. Wake up, put on the armor of light, and go out and represent Christ Jesus. We put no obstacle in anyone's way in verse 3 so that no fault may be found with our ministry. We were here to remove obstacles, not put them in our way. 
but as servants, as servants of God, right? We talked about that earlier. We commend ourselves in every way. Are you ready to do this? These are the ways we're going to commend ourselves. Put yourselves in the shoes. Don't think, oh, this is Paul talking. This is how Paul commends himself. No, this is how we're supposed to commend ourselves alongside Paul, alongside Christ Jesus. By great endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. You ready for that? Are you willing to, to follow Jesus if that's what it looks like? A kingdom disciple who engages society has to be. You have to be. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to be ready for that. All of those things. He doesn't say, get ready for, for to be healthy the rest of your life. Get ready to have all the, the, the wealth you want. Get ready to have that job that you always dreamed of. Get ready to have those, those babies you, you feel like are going to fulfill you. Get ready to have that house that you think is going to satisfy your soul. No. Get ready to follow Jesus. And Jesus bore his cross daily, which means afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger for us. But it also means this, purity, knowledge, patience, kindness. And if it wasn't clear, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I love that the Holy Spirit in this list is kind of, what is he, fourth or fifth? Uh, fifth here. Um, and Paul's like, oh, yeah, I, I mean, it's like he's listing out the fruit of the Spirit, right? Patience and kindness. Well, just everything the Holy Spirit produces. <laughs> Genuine love by truthful speech and the power of God with weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left hand. What are weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left hand? The sword of the Spirit, this is Ephesians 6, and the shield of faith. The sword of the Spirit, the Bible, and the shield of faith. Those are the weapons, not for destruction, but for righteousness. Through honor and dishonor, slander and praise, we treat as imposters, but yet we're true. We're, at, we're as unknown, yet we're well known. As dying, and behold, we live. As punished, and yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Why is that? How can we always rejoice? Because persecution for righteousness' sake, Peter says, we count as joy. As poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing all things. Possessing everything. Ah, oh. we've spoken freely to you. That, that, that phrase literally in the Greek is, we've opened our mouths to you. We've spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. Our heart is wide open. Guys, I've said before that, that um, when our, when our um, uh, core theology is this big, our love for others becomes like this. But when our love for others is this big, that means our, we, our core theology is tight. If our core theology is like this, our love for others is like this. This is this passage. He said, our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us. We're here to empower you. You're not restricted by us but you are restricted in your own affections. You are restricted in your own desires. You are restricted in your own distractions. You are, you are restricted in what you are trying to pursue that is not of the kingdom of God. You are restricted in choosing, uh, and, and you always choosing what is subpar. 
you are restricted when you don't choose the abundant life. He's saying you are restricted in your affections, not by the gospel, not by us. You need a reordering of your affections. You need, you need to put your identity in Christ and allow his identity to reshape your life. And then he says, in return, widen your hearts also. Widen your heart. Who are we as followers of Jesus? Who are we as ambassadors for Christ? Who are we as ministers of reconciliation? We are peacemakers. We bless those who curse us. We do not repay evil for evil. We count persecution for righteousness as joy. We turn the other cheek. We love our enemies. That's who we are. And that is the new common. And it will only be established as kingdom disciples engage society. Then we will see a new common. And that is how the church will arise. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your example in this. Thank you that you've shown us how to live. And I don't know why we get it wrong so often. You've shown us. And, and, and you changed the world in just over two years. Amazing. By fully living this out every day of your life to the fullest of your ability. Show us how to do that. Fill us with your spirit and push us forward to be kingdom disciples who engage society. We ask in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.